0: Before we come to God's word, will you bow in prayer with me, please? Once again, our Father, we thank you that when we pray, we are not praying to a make-believe God. Jesus came into the world and he told us that When we pray, we can say, Our Father. And so we come this morning. Lord, I I have no idea what the week has been for almost no one in this place. But I am sure that our week was mixed with joy and with sorrow, pleasure, and pain. Our week was mixed with challenges In some areas we conquer, in other words, in other ways we were conquered. But we come to you this morning, our Father. This is part of what worship is. In the words of the hymn writer, we come to ask God for help. We come to pray for one another. We come, our Father, because if we have no one outside of ourselves to whom we can turn, then we are to be pitted. The burdens are too complex, the load too heavy, and Jesus himself tells us in his word, come to me, by faith come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And Father, that is what I'm praying for our people this morning. Rest from the pressures of life. Able to cast our burdens upon you because you care for us. Able to put into the hands of the Almighty those things that are so mountainous. Those rivers too deep to cross. Those mountains too high to climb. Family problems, financial problems, church problems, the problems of a nation. We, we, we have been living for the whole week with the watching of the burning of the flag and the, the burning of the buildings and the killing of an ambassador. And, and our world is just full of of violence. We hear the killing of one man here and the drunk driver who, who maimed the person and we can just go on. And Father, we come now with all those things haunting our minds, some pictures still floating in the, in the, in the mirror of our minds. We come and we cast our burdens upon you. Whatever those burdens are, whatever someone has brought into this place that they wonder, can God do anything about this? Give them the assurance, yes, he can. As we come to your word, oh God, help us not to just take it for granted. Give us listening ears. Give us the ability to hear what God is saying, something that will, that will change our whole pathway. We are reminded this morning, Father, of Stan, Nancy, of Earl, of Willie. We are reminded, Father, of of Roy. Lord, it just goes on and on, the illness, the sickness. But this too we can bring to you. You have promised us, Father, that even in our sicknesses you will give peace. And you will use what you will use to bring healing. And this we're trusting you to do this morning. And now as we come to your word, oh God, we pray that that you will give us understanding. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, says, the people received the word from Paul as the word from God. May our people hear your word this morning. The word which alone can work in them can work in us so that we are able to do God's work with the strength which God gives so that we get the joy of serving and God gets the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Philippians. You will recall that some years ago we went through this book, and for this first Sunday back from the summer, I was watching the news a little bit this morning, and the news lady said, we will still be uh, having, I think one day, Thursday is going to be 90 degrees, so when those dark gray days come, I don't want to hear any complaints. I want you to remember these days and live with the memories. The concern I have for this morning is to somehow try to energize us once again. The summer has come and the summer is past or will pass this week. Our spiritual lives may have been put on hold The things we wanted to get done. I think of my own life. I had so many things I wanted to do this summer. And out of a list of ten, I will finish the nine next year. (laughs) One of them is I I have to paint my porch in Salem. I painted it last year. And it's already peeling. And if, if you can tell me how to paint without peeling within a year, I'll be happy to know. Uh, just write a note and put it in the box, and, and <laughs> I'll, I'll be a prayerful note on what to do. But I was amazed. You know, I did, I did everything I was supposed to do. I scraped it, and I, I, I didn't do any sanding, but I did take off the old paint. And, and within, I mean, I bought expensive paint. I I went to to, um, the place where they sell paint and I bought it and I told a guy what I wanted and he told me what to buy and now my porch is peeling. I have to get that done. But I got one thing done. As a Canadian, I, I I just loathe having a garage and not have a car in it. It seems that everyone in this country uses a garage for a, a loading dot. 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 <laughs> you put all the stuff. I mean, I drive by some garages, and I tell you, those things are full. And I thought, why why have this thing when it's a... And then your car gets all dirty and yucky and birds do stuff in it. Why not put it in the garage? Well, you see, in Canada, we, we, we have... We have storage space in our homes. And it was the biggest f- surprise to me when I bought the house in Salem that they don't have storage space. In, in fact, there is a storage space. It's underneath the house. And there is no way that yours truly is going underneath a house. <laughs> well, you get the idea. We all have things that we would like to have accomplished, but the summer is ended. And here we are again. In September, And we look back with some regrets, and I trust that the scriptures this morning will be able to help us to come to the place where we can prepare for the future. And when I say preparing for the future, I'm not thinking in terms of having long-range plans. I'm talking about plans for our lives that will help us to be able to accomplish today what will benefit us tomorrow. And so I ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse 10 to verse 14 for our message this morning. This is the Word of God, Philippians 3.10. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes these wonderful words that you and I know all so well, that I may know Him Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect or mature, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I I also, I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold or having obtained it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to the goal that lies ahead, I press toward the mark or the goal, as some translation have it, for the prize of the upward of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. One of the most difficult days in my life was spent when I was in college. We were expecting our first child And because of the course I was taking, Introduction to Clinical Counseling, we had to go to a home where they had little children. Little children who had been born in an unfortunate situation and they never got to seven pounds having been born with two. These were kids, 18 years old and still in cribs. And my wife was expecting at that time, and I went into a frenzy. I became extremely fearful that our daughter might be one of those unfortunate children. It troubled me deeply that this was happening. Then I took the parallel to the Christian life. Each and every one of us, you and me, if we are believers this morning in Christ... Each of us were born again as children. As little babies. It's a new beginning. And for some reason, some of us are still in infancy in our Christian life. And because of that, the Christian life becomes boring. It seems to have lost whatever excitement was there when it all started and we wonder why is it that we're not as excited about our christian life about jesus about the bible about church as we did the first time we believed what has gone wrong i am careful with illustrations because they can come back to burn you but i'm reminded of something i read of this older couple who had been married for 20 years and they saw a young couple driving by them and there was a strange creature in the car. There, was only, there were two people but one head as it were, one shoulder as it were. I mean they were sitting so close the wind couldn't pass through them. And the wife looks over to her husband and said, How come we don't sit that close anymore? And he said, I haven't moved an inch. I wanted to sink in. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that that, dis- that is an illustration of you or me. I'm saying that sometimes we see others excited about their faith, excited about their Christian life, and we wonder how come they are and we are not. And God says, I haven't moved an inch. I'm right here. Paul said this in verse 10. He was a Christian now for almost 25 years. And he was saying this, I want to know Christ more. I want to know him more than having information about him. I want to know him in a way that, that, that I continue to add to my faith. Those virtues that will strengthen me so that as I go on and on and on, I am moving from one state of spirituality to another state. I am not in competition with anybody, but in my communion with Jesus Christ, He is actually strengthening my Christian life so that I am able to grow, to mature, to come to this place. I have certain books in my library at home that I'm seeking to read. And, and, and I'm, I'm reading one in the, the Trinity. This mysterious thing that we find in the Bible. And, and I'm not trying to impress you, uh, because I haven't picked it up for a little while now. But I've been reading that book for eight years. It, it is so deep. It is, it is, it is full with, with words that I have to have my dictionary beside me to understand and the biggest mistake I could make is to say it's so long it's so deep I'll go to something else now don't get me wrong I've been reading other books on the Trinity I just haven't picked up this one for a while and I asked the question this morning how are you prepared how am I prepared as we get ready for the fall, as we get ready for winter, as we get ready for a new beginning in our church life, in our own lives, how do we prepare for that? Is there in your heart and mind a desire, like Paul says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. I want to know Him more. I want prayer to be something that is, that is extraordinarily motivated, motivating so that I do not... I do not live my life on what others are saying about prayer. I live my life with the experiencing of what prayer means to me. So how did Paul prepare for the future? The first thing I notice in Paul in this text is this. That he was honest. He was honest. He wasn't putting on a front because he was the Apostle Paul to say... Because you know so much, because God has done certain things for you, you have arrived. No, He's listen to what he says. Not as though I have already attained or obtained that point. Uh, you know, sometimes the mistake we can make is that because we have certificates on our walls, that we have arrived to where we're supposed to be. Not in the Christian life. He said again, I don't regard myself as having become yet everything for which Jesus Christ became my Savior. There's much more to it. In Matthew 5, Jesus himself speaking to his disciples said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. When we become believers, there is a new cavity, if you please, that has no no end, no bottom. It is is a fresh, fresh desire to begin to know something of what the Christian life is all about. And somewhere along the line, we are excited by filling it at the beginning. But somehow it becomes old stuff. And we do one or two things. Either we, we, we retreat in our faith or we pretend in our faith. We put on a bold face, letting people think that, yeah, things are happening. Or we retreat and we say, it really didn't work. I tried it and it didn't work. Listen to what Paul in chapter 1 verse 6 says. He who has begun a good work in you will keep on performing it until its completion. That we have the, the promise of God that when we become a part of his family, he does not leave us as infants. What he has for us is to grow in our faith. Grow in our love. Grow in our relationship. Grow in maturity so that we are able to meet the challenges of life with faith in God. And know that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or I can ask or think. And my friends, you know it, that perhaps the most difficult thing for the Christian is to have to live with difficulties, questions, pain, and problems he or she cannot explain. Jeremiah went through this problem. Jeremiah looked at his contemporaries and he said to God in prayer, Why is it that I, the one who is seeking to please you, experience all the negative experience and I look at those who have no concern for you and they seemingly are living a pain-free life. And it is in those moments when we are on the verge of discouragement in our faith, those moments when we take or perhaps fail to take inventory, Because we're afraid of what we will discover, that we stop the Spirit of God from working in our lives, and we become stagnant. We become babes, we stay just where we are, and nothing happens in our lives. And the danger of this is when we become stagnant in our Christian life, we become skeptical about Christianity. So personal honesty. You know, uh, you know me and cars. We love each other like, well, I don't know what experience I want to use. And and every time I take my car in, I take it for regular oil treatment, but every time I, I take it in, I usually get a list of things that are required for your car. And after the first time, I looked, the guy came and talked with me, and he said, you know, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I will ask, do I need to do it now? (laughs) And he will say no, so I said, okay. And then fortunate for me, the next time I take it in, there's a different guy. (laughs) You get the message. (laughs) So what do I do? I go through the same thing. I paid a price for it this week, by the way. (laughs) We do that in our lives, though. You see, there was a sheet that they gave to me. The second sheet, the first sheet, tell me what they do. The second sheet said, this is what we need to do. And I will just ignore that sheet, ignore that sheet, ignore that sheet. When we take personal inventory, inventory, We become honest with ourselves. And we say, God, I feel cold. I feel indifferent. I don't feel that I love you. I don't feel that you love me. I don't know that I want to go to church. I don't know that, Uh, you know, when we are honest with ourselves, we open up to God. Not, Not necessarily to man, but to God. And we say, why am I feeling this way? And let me suggest to you, this is biblical. The man who introduced Jesus Christ to his contemporary, John the Baptist, When the pressures of life came upon John, John called his disciples and said, come here, I want you to go to the one that I introduced and ask, are you the one I should be looking for? Because if you are the one out there, what am I doing in here? See, the Christian life, my friends, is a life, if you please, of struggles. Not struggles that, that, that irritate us, but struggles that motivate us. That's what it is. Personal inventory. We become honest. And when at the depths of our honesty, then God can begin to do something. So secondly, if if we are to prepare for the future, there must be spiritual activity. Listen to what he says. Forgetting what is behind. We, we, We forget everything, my friends, good and bad. Achievements, failures, virtues, pains, opportunities that we, we, should have, we should have embraced. Forgetting what is behind. Now forgetting is a spiritual activity. Because my friends, Satan is able to bring to our minds again and again our failures from the past. Satan is able to to tempt us to say, if, why not? And sometimes our very own minds play tricks on us. And we are reminded of our failures, we're reminded of our sins, we're reminded of our past. And the word forget, literally in the Greek means to ignore. To ignore. It's not that it won't come to you. But when you are reminded of your past, the failures, the success, what you do is that you take that moment and you make the cross of Jesus Christ the place where you put that thing. When the past troubles you, you go to God in prayer and say, Lord, you forgave my sins then. Lord, I know that I fail you then. And you have promised that if I confess my sins, you are faithful and you are just to forgive me. Lord, I come to you with the remembrance of the past. I don't want to remember it. And so you ignore it. When Israel came out of Egypt and the difficult times came, listen to what the text says. They remembered Egypt. Demas did this. Demas, when the the difficult time of the challenge of his faith came... Demas loved this present world more than Christ, and he walked away from his faith. So there must be spiritual activity. The greatest mistake we can ever make is to want change but do nothing to change. That's the greatest mistake we can ever make. There has to be, you know. I, 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 I should, I should say, I play at golf because I don't play the game often enough to become anything spectacular. But when I was better than I am now, <laughs> I used to get up at five o'clock in the morning and go to the golf course and hit balls. And and, and I, I, was, I was doing well. It reminds me, in 1973, when Lee Trevino won all three majors in in North America and then won the British Open as well, they had a a big celebration for for Trevino back in Texas. (laughs) And when Lee Trevino got up to speak, he said this, I want to thank you all for this, this event. It's a wonderful opportunity to be recognized by your family and friends. But nobody saw me when I was hitting a thousand balls a day. A thousand balls a day. Oh, my friends, I, I get frustrated at 25. <laughs> but if, 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 my friends, we cannot sit still and expect our Christian life to go forward. There must be some, some mental There must be some confrontation with who I am in the flesh. I I was born with a certain amount of weaknesses, and those weaknesses must be transformed by the power of Christ's Spirit in obedience to his word. So Paul said, forgetting what is behind. You know, there's certain you want to remember certain things, of course. It's not that you are ungrateful, it is only this. If what you are remembering does not spur you on to the future, then you're remembering in vain. So let's quickly get to the projection for the future. We have, prepared, we have to prepare for it by being honest with ourselves. We've got to prepare for it to be ready to do spiritual activity. And the first of these is to forget, to ignore, to run to Christ every time you're reminded of the past. Whatever that might be. Now we come to projecting. What are the steps now? The apostle will forget what is behind, but he's going to reach forward. He said, I I will plan for spiritual growth. I will plan for it. I had a little teacher in college, and she used to say to us again and again, students, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it with accuracy. You've got to plan it. You've got to say, this is what I want to do. Paul said, this is what I'm doing. I forget what is behind, but now I am reaching forward. You saw this during the Olympics. As the runner from Jamaica was, was, was to the finishing line, they would put their chest out and their hands forward because they had a goal, and the goal was to win. And sometimes, sometimes, it is possible that the outstretched arm will take you, give you the energy because you know you're reaching for something. This is the idea that Paul is using. He said that the plans that I have is that I want to reach a certain spiritual point in my life. And so this is how I want to begin it. I want to begin to, to stretch toward it. I want to reach toward it. And, and, and how do I do that reaching? Because of time I will go. To the second thought, there's a price for spiritual growth. A price for spiritual growth. Listen to what he says. I press. Uh, The the word press is a word which comes from the gymnasium. It, It means to put yourself in a position where you actually cause yourself to almost feel pains. But you know that these pains will one day lead to something else. So Paul, in running to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, says this. Bodily exercise is profitable, it's not useless. But spiritual exercise is superior to mere bodily exercise because spiritual exercise has, has, has the ability for this life and the life which is to come. It is to do something about what we want. To press forward means that I'm going to take the steps. Exercise for the body is not useless, but godliness is useful. G.K. Chesterton puts it this way. The problem with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting, but it has been found difficult and left untried. You know, I was at the gym this past week. And I saw something I had never seen before. There was a fellow there in a wheelchair. And he was pumping irons. And I watched this fellow. I did. And I thought, isn't that something? In spite of being in a wheelchair, he didn't give up on life. And I watched him. And, and, and he, was, he, was, he was pulling some weights up. And I watched the veins. I don't think he saw me watching him. I saw the veins underneath his chin as he was giving all the energy. And, and, and he was going. And he was pulling. It took him a little bit longer than it would have taken me. But he made it. There was a price, friends. If you want to grow in your spiritual life, and if I want to grow in my spiritual life, there is a price to pay. What are the things we have to do? We've got to get into the scriptures personally and publicly. We've got to make use of the spiritual things that God provides in the church, the fellowship of believers. This is how God has it. Read Acts chapter 2 verses 37 to 42. That the church was at its best when it was exercising spiritually for its maturity and its growth. You and I will never get there if we neglect those things. If we're not willing to pay the price for it, it is costly. You watch some of the people doing the Olympics as I did. And as you watch them, you saw the results of weeks and months. In fact, I read of one lady who wanted her daughter to excel in gymnastics, that she moved from New York to Philadelphia because she understood that there was a wonderful teacher there that would teach her daughter. She changed her entire location. The price she was willing to pay for her daughter's success was to move. I don't know, my friends, what God is going to ask you to do, but I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my disciples, They must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. That's the price. We can have our names in the church pictorial. We can have have our names in the giving to the church, and those things are wonderful, friends. You know that I am not talking about those things. But if we are doing nothing to actually grow in our Christian life, we remain just as those children I saw in that baby crib so many years ago. I press, I press. I'm going to discipline myself. It might be that I have to give up 15 minutes of television to spend five minutes with God, but I'm pressing. It might be that I have to do something in order to gain something else. But if the goal I have it's what God has for me because God laid hold of me when I became a believer and he says, I am beginning this work in you and now if you cooperate with me, if you actually live in union with me, if you live in obedience with me, if you live seeking my face day by day, then when this happens, you will grow, you will mature, you will become strong. And God will be able to put you in the places, as he said to Jeremiah, I want you to be able to run with horses. And if you are to run with horses, you have got to prepare to do it. It won't happen. And just like playing golf, if you stop swinging, your scores will be in the three figures. Lastly, the price for spiritual growth. The price of spiritual growth. Listen to what it, it is for St. Paul. Verse 14. I press toward the goal, or the mark, some translations have it, but the word is, is, is goal. I know, what I, I know what I want, I know where I want to go, and I know what it is I'm seeking. I press toward the goal, reaching for it. The goal is a spiritual call from God to be like this. The goal is an invitation from God to share his life with him on earth. So I press toward that goal. Goal is what I seek for. Then he said this, that I may win the prize. A prize is what is awarded. The goal is what I seek after. The prize is what is given. And what is the prize? The upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Christ himself is the goal. And Christ is also the path. Psalm 42 verse 1 says, As the heart panth for the water brooks, so panth my soul after thee, O God. Do you live, my friends, with a passion for God? Do you love Jesus Christ enough this morning that you are saying, from here on, I'm going to press toward the mark. I'm going to take advantage of the graces that God gives. I'm going to live with a Christ-centered atmosphere. So I close with a poem that was written back in the 5th century by St. Patrick. Listen, Listen to it. Christ be with me. Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and to restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts full of love that love me, Christ is in mouth of friends, Christ in the mouth of strangers. The true sign of spiritual growth is that Christ becomes a treasure for me. A treasure. A treasure. Matthew 13. The kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure. And because of the joy of it, the initial joy, sold everything he had to buy that one prize. My friends, one of these days, You will go six feet under and I will go six feet under. But may it be said of you and me, only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Preparing for the future. I believe, my friends, as I have been saying, that God has a purpose for having us here. Let us pursue that. Let us press toward that And let God form his own son in us so that he manifests himself to the world in which you and I live. Let us pray. Oh God, you have not saved us to pamper us. You saved us to reshape us. You saved us to change us so that we become just like Jesus in our behavior, in our thinking, in our goals. May your spirit do his work so that the word given this morning will not have been targeted at all, but presented, proclaimed. And if you have spoken to hearts in this place this morning, may the response be immediate. May we not only hear of it, but may we see it. Because that is what God wants to do in Jesus' name.